I don't ever want to drink again. <laughs> How many times have you said that in your life? So many. I know that I will. I have no desire to drink today. Why not? Did some drinking yesterday. A little drinking. It's hard. It's tough. It's really tough. <laughs> well, I'm having this white claw. I don't care. Day drinking, I guess it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Day drinking, three o'clock. I feel like day drinking is um really like a before noon. Made pure, it says on the can. What does that even It doesn't mean anything. Sure it does. It doesn't have uh, flavors in it that aren't natural. Okay, fine. Is that pure? That's purity these days? I guess. It's only 100 calories. Are you watching your weight? No, I don't. Uh, my weight doesn't seem to fluctuate. It holds at around 192, which is a lot, I guess, for someone my height. Notice I said height, not height. Height. Who says height? A lot of people they start paying attention. A lot of people really? say. Really? Yeah. Height. A lot, of, a lot of people say height. Well, that's incorrect. I know it's incorrect. But like width and height. No. Yes. I've never heard that. But anyway. Okay. Big bones is a real thing. People think that just fat people say that. No. It's uh, your den- bone density is a thing. Yeah. Stone bones. And my bones are very dense. They're made of stones. Stone bones. So. I don't you have the hear. cobblestone bones. According to that BMI chart, I'm obese. Oh, B- that BMI, that BMI, I can't even say it. BMI chart needs to go jump off a cliff along with the food pyramid. Well, like you're supposed to eat the most amount of carbs you can. <laughs> yeah, which also screws with you. Yeah. I eat a bunch of carbs in one sitting because I only eat once a day and then uh, I feel like crap. Yeah. I feel miserable. What? Why? I don't think. Does it, is it just carbs that make you crash? Yeah. If Maybe I a, you have if that I, celiac thing. No. Come on. Get out of here. I'm just saying. Less than one percent of the population has celiac. I know. Maybe that you actually truly have it. It became. It became en vogue. I've got celiac. I know. No, you don't. You probably don't. I agree that you probably not you, but one probably doesn't. But it is true that it does seem to affect you. After you've eaten carbs, you do crash and you want to sleep. That's because I only eat once a day usually, or I eat too much at once. If I eat a giant salad, I'm not crashing. There's no crashing coming into play. Right, because there's no carbs. Yeah, you asked if it was only carbs, and I said yes. Right, so maybe you have the celiac thing. No, I just have too much food (laughs) shoved into my gut. But you said if you ate a big salad and you shoved that into your gut, do you think you would respond no. the same way? Well, there you go. Because there's no carbs in the salad. Okay. I What I'm saying is there's too much food shoved in my gut and it is the carbs because whatever the process for breaking down the carbs is, it gets to me. But it's not celiac. Well, what is it? It's celiac, like people retch over in pain or something. Oh. All right. Well, you have something. Maybe you should not eat carbs. And I enjoy gluten and I'll continue to eat gluten. Maybe you have a gluten intolerance. Gluten is not my enemy. I've never viewed it as an enemy. There was a small warehouse close to where I used to work that had just bags of gluten in it. And I loved that they existed. And I would take pictures of it. And there's a gluten factory. Bags of gluten? Yeah. And then they mix it in with the flour factory up the street. Oh. And uh, I would love it. It was just these bags of gluten on pallets. Yeah. And uh, no, you don't have to think of it as your enemy. I took pictures of it and I'd send it around to all the people who claim they had celiac. It's like, <laughs> can't eat gluten. It's like, look at this place playground. <laughs> Did they get sick from just looking at the picture? They're like, oh, God, I can't. Like people who are vegan. Yeah, I guess it's not fair of me to tell them what they are and aren't. If they claim that they're celiac mm-hmm. or they don't want to eat gluten or gluten has a negative effect, I shouldn't automatically say you're full of shit. Should listen to people. I but when the percentage is like one percent and then when, you know, eighty three percent of the people you know have it. It's like what a weird coincidence that <laughs> Yeah. You know, some people date the wrong people. I, I'm just drawn to people with celiac. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just happens to be that that tiny percentage are all your friends. Yeah. So maybe that's a statistical anomaly maybe it happened mm. maybe that's why and they're all telling the truth but i doubt it i think all of those people can i think that you can doubt that there are people that 
that the amount of people that actually have a gluten intolerance actually have it. I feel like you can doubt that. But then you can also have a bad reaction to gluten and then maybe try and give it up. Because obviously it affects you in a weird way. It should not affect you like that. If I just ate it in moderation, carbs, I'd be fine. I just shoved them all into my gut, down my esophagus. So get in there. Yeah, but you're. I don't think you're eating too much. Yeah, I think so. That's okay. what's happening. All right. Anyway, I should have gotten one of those bags of gluten and then carried it around and sprinkled it on people's food when they weren't looking and... And then they would eat it, and I wouldn't say anything, and there wouldn't be any negative effect, and then I would know. Guess what? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. I did. I wouldn't need to prove them wrong. I wouldn't need to call them out and shame them. I just so I would know. I oh, would okay. Take note. But maybe they were just being polite and not saying that they have to go poop. Possibly, but I doubt it. I would track their movements. <laughs> their bowel movements. Well, it'd be a big program. I would have transponders that I would stick to their bodies. Okay. You'd weaponize the gluten. Yeah, it was like the time I put a pepperoni in my girlfriend's salad and she was vegetarian at the Golden Corral. I feel like she would notice. I ripped it it up in small pieces. I know, but a pepperoni is a very specific, strong flavor. And in a salad that typically wouldn't have meat, it'd be a very obvious No, because it's one pepperoni in very small pieces and you mix it around. It's not centralized. The taste isn't overwhelming at that point. What happened? Did you tell her? Yeah, I pointed and laughed. Did you really? Yeah. That's so mean. Well, I mean, I took her to the Golden Corral, so I wasn't a very good boyfriend to begin with. <laughs> well, unless she really loved Golden Corral. Well, it was also high school, so. I loved Golden Corral. I just wanted their, like, honey butter. Was it? Did they, did they have honey butter? I think they had really good honey butter. They had the soft serve ice cream. I know that. And I would go straight to that first. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I would eat the other stuff. Yeah, but the Golden Corral's done. It's uh, disappearing. Yeah. Along with the topic of today's podcast, mm. the Golden Corral, the buffets, and uh, our topic today, which I won't mention now. I'll wait people. I'll make wait people. I'll make, make people. people wait. That's the gluten poisoning, doggy. That's the white claw. <laughs> Already? Yeah. Made pure. Made pure. Made people wait time. Yeah, so bodily fluids are pure. They could dump those in here and say it's pure. Bodily f- fluids aren't pure. Yeah, they're pure. That's natural. They happen in nature. Yeah, created. but some things are created as waste. Well, it's still pure. No, it's a different thing. They're not taking the waste of a lime and putting it in there and calling it pure. They're taking the juice of the lime. No, what they could they could do the waste of a lime because that's a pure thing. They're just saying we don't make shit in a lab and dump it in here. Mm-hmm. Like the, ooh, okay, what if they were getting the lime flavor from the gland of an otter because you know, like there's that weird- Yeah, it's pure. Gland. Yeah, it's that's pure. pure. Is that pure? Yes. Wow. You can make the, that's a pure thing. It's, no, but then it would have to say that it's fr- it's not from a lime. Natural lime. Oh, but maybe if it just said lime flavoring, then maybe they could use some weird extract from something else that tricks your mouth into thinking it's a lime flavor. Well, I think they would have to list it in the ingredients at right. that point, but it's like right. uh, A1 sauce, right. raisins. Raisins are listed right there. It's gross. And A1 or Worcestershire? No, that one's got anchovies. In oh, it. right. Okay. You've what? gotten on this really, you've really been upset about this anchovy thing. I will never eat Worcestershire sauce again. That's not true. You sure will. You're going to throw it in your in your it's burger dis- recipe. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. Anchovies are put in there. Why? There's the flavoring of a yes. small, gross fish, an oily, slimy fish. They could find ways around that. And the way that it's uh, presented as this inland type of sauce, great for meats that are steaks mm-hmm. and animals of the land. To put a fish in there, that's deceiving. But what about all of the Asian dishes that use like fish sauce? Yeah, and- I try not to think about it. Oh. If I if they someone told me fish sauce is in there, I won't eat it because I don't like fish. Oh, but fish sauce is different. It's not like, it's a totally different thing. Fish is disgusting. You're disgusting. Oysters. Dis- oh, you eat the most disgusting things from the sea. The snottiest, gloopiest, grossest things. Yeah. And then you won't eat a delicious, like, white, flaky fish. No, that's... That's, like, like cooked in butter, delicious, crunchy, outside, soft, flakiness. Oh, man. Jellfish. A sea bass. Bivalves. Not a sea bass. Uh, Monovalves. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a monovalve? 
One valve? I know, but is there? I don't know. Bye. Monovalves of the sea. I'll try anything. Well, I don't want to waste time. Maybe yeah, they're mono. Maybe anyway, they're... the point is, is uh, your logic is flawed, and it's not logic. Overall, I'm better. It's just the taste. <laughs> I don't like the taste of fish. Yeah, but it's not like fish sauce tastes of fish. Oh, it does. I can taste it's it now. It's an overall flavor called fish sauce. What about oyster sauce? No. But you eat oysters. Sure. See, <laughs> nothing makes sense. You're like, when I eat carbs, I don't feel good. Carbs aren't the problem. Uh, I like Worcestershire sauce in my stuff. I found out it has anchovy. I can't eat it. Okay, let's start. All right. Run away. Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher. My name is Greg Russ, and I bring to you... The topic of the week, uh, no need to dilly-dally around. I'll just throw it out there. It's diners. Diners. I want to talk about diners because with the death of diners, I feel as though diners are dying. The reason I am bringing this up is because there was a restaurant in New York that I really, really liked, Odessa. It was a diner for all intents and purposes, even though they called it Odessa Restaurant. And uh, it recently shut down. And this is a continuing trend that diners are shutting down. And then, especially with the pandemic, diners are really, I think, going to suffer. And with the death of diners is the death of America. <laughs> because America doesn't have much culture. There's like mm. almost zero. There's two things that represent American culture, raccoons and diners. Raccoons? Yeah, because raccoons are native to this land. <laughs> They're not European. They didn't come over from other places. Oh, so do people think of raccoons in other countries like kangaroos? Like we think about kangaroos? May I don't know. I don't think they're as prominent in other pop <laughs> cultures. Like American pop culture presented other places. Let's like kangaroos go to the zoo and say the raccoons. Like kangaroos fight and they jump. Yeah, but raccoons are really cute with their little hands. Yeah. Except they also carry rabies. I mean, they a lot of animals carry rabies. Yeah. They're one of the animals that carries rabies and can infect you with rabies. Right. A squirrel can get rabies. And it, it if you get bitten by a squirrel, you're not getting rabies because rabies will kill a squirrel. Before it has, before a it has the opportunity to pass it on. Like raccoon, though, that thing will come bite you and infect you and you'll get all those shots in your stomach. Yeah. So those are the two things that represent American <laughs> culture, though. Okay. Because What about like hot dogs and... You know. uh, that will that can all be lumped into the diner. Oh, but you know what though? Because those things, I was gonna say like hot dogs, cheeseburgers, and stuff. But that's really all from other, like those are German. So, yeah, I mean, a hot dog was hijacked. Right. It's still based on a German. But sausage. like a diner, is that purely American? A diner is purely American. Okay. That's just that this country obviously has got everyone else's cultures that are brought in, and some of them are assimilated into a bigger culture. Some are just staying within the groups of those people who move here. Um, but overall, yeah, I think those that sums it up. And we're losing one of the things. And I don't know what's going on with the raccoon population. <laughs> so as far as we know, they're doing great. They could be doing great. Yeah. Though I bet they're suffering. Eh, they probably just migrated because they eat trash. And trash is... Raccoons don't tend to live in cities, maybe parks and cities. So being in the suburbs and more wooded areas and people being home more, mm. they're probably thriving because there's more trash from home now instead of offices and in cities. Mm. Okay. Since people aren't going in so much to cities. Uh, what did you ask me? If they were purely American. Diners, yes. Diners, yeah. Yeah. The first diner was uh, from Providence, Rhode Island. Though it wasn't really even a diner. It was like a traveling cart, but it was the precursor to the diner. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like that was an early diner, right? Like it was... Um, a small place to get quick things for travelers. Is that right? Yeah, I think that sums it up. Yeah. Walter Scott is the guy in 1872. He sold food out of a horse-pulled wagon mm -hmm. to employees of the Providence Journal. And uh, I don't know, he just had things you would expect in it, eggs and sandwiches. Right, quick things, quick quick bites. Yeah, and then from there it evolved and the diners were still mobile places, but then they became prefab places. Well, and now even, I mean, there's there's those different types of diners, right? They all have like a similar like chrome sort of something about them. 
Yeah, that was the streamlined chrome modern look, modern uh-huh. in the 50s. It's like, well, this is the future. Look right. at this, this rounded architecture. But then there's also those ones that look like train cars. Yeah, and those were part, some of those were still mobile diners, and then uh-huh. they just kind of stayed in one place. Yeah. Like, all right, we're staying here, but I guess for a while they still had the ability to move around if they wanted to move around. Um, so, yeah, it's a, you know, at some point, there were many companies doing prefabrication for diners, and then they would ship out the pieces, and build, people would build them, and they'd be freestanding. That and- was a big thing back then. People were doing that with houses. You could buy houses from Sears. And they just send you all the pieces and you put it together yourself. Well, it made things accessible. And I know a lot of people think, well, diners, because there's so many Greek diner owners. Yeah. But that was just because they came over here and diners were accessible because it was an easy business to get Mm -hmm. into. Yeah, they are. They do seem to be Greek. Even the one across the street from me is like has all these uh, these Greek like uh, Slovaki Suflaki. What is that called? I don't know what you're trying to say. There's there's a dish called souvlaki. <laughs> anyway, when I was looking through the menu, I saw it and thought, oh, this is this is owned by Greek people, probably. Yeah, and I just want to make sure that this idea that diners have been owned by immigrants and then they've put their own spin on it doesn't mean that it's not American. It's American. Oh, yeah. And that is American culture. People come here and then they do the things that they want to do. Uh so, you know, I don't view it any differently. It still fits into the American culture. It was a, an American creation that other people took advantage of because it was accessible to them, which is a great thing. Yeah. And now they're all dying. They're all going away. So why do you think they're all dying? <clears throat> well. Is it just anecdotal from your own experience? It's a trend overall. Because Odessa's closing and that. It's a trend overall in New York. So in New York, there were even in Brooklyn and Queens some places that had that traditional diner look like those standalone diners. They found a plot of land, but you know, in New York, a lot of diners are just built into the commercial spaces of buildings Mm -hmm. at street level. But you know, you go and you know what a diner is, the giant menu, the the vinyl booths. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you can get anything at a diner. Yeah. Even though I tend to only get the same things. Yeah. Eggs. I know. Have you ever got, I mean, we should go to a diner and just get one of the weird, later on in the menu items i mean it's a risk that this is the thing i think you asked me what i think is happening to diners one just say in new york why i bring this up odessa is going away um they say they're closing for renovations and they'll be back but in new york if something closes for renovations nine times out of ten it's never coming back Mm. i don't know why that's the route that businesses go i think it's so that they can get some money there's something yeah i I don't like we're not closed yeah, I don't understand the inner workings of why so many businesses, restaurants uh, claim renovations will be back and then they just never come back. So I'm not counting on this place coming back, um, you know, and then you're bringing up the size of the menus. When you have that many items on a menu, you really can't make any of them great. Right. They're just they're going to be what they're going to be, which I am fine with. I know what I'm getting when I go to a diner. It's crazy to think of the amount of food that they have to have on hand because they have to have all the breakfast stuff at any moment. But then they also have to have like salmon. And because I think in this menu across the street, there's like you can get like broiled salmon, you know, and we're what were there other things There were like just a ton of stuff on there. And I think it depends on who the owners are, because like you said, a lot of them are owned by seemingly owned by Greek people. Um, I think in Atlanta, um, that it wasn't a chain, but a lot of the diners in Atlanta seemed to be owned by Italians. So some of their items were more Italian near the end of the menu. And I think um, most diners, even if they're not run by Italians, still have spaghetti somewhere on them. <laughs> yeah. They have you pastas. Can get a, oh, you know what? Um, uh, my friend here is going to have a plate of spaghetti and meatballs, and I'm going to have a bowl of cereal. You can do that at the diner. Which, you know, it's a place where people can go and everyone everyone can get something that they want. Mm-hmm. Though, again, I tend to just get the same thing. Eggs. Yeah. Omelet. I don't think I do I- too. Yeah. I'm going to go. Next time I go, I'm going to order something crazy. I mean, not something I don't want to eat, but just like something that's not breakfast. I don't know how you order all that food, meaning as the business owner. Yeah. And how you store it. Yeah. And how many portions you keep on hand at any given time. How many people are going into that diner and ordering the poached 
broiled salmon or whatever it was. Probably not that many. So then if they sell three of them, they know. But, you know, how do you keep it fresh? How long has it been frozen? I get this. That sounds like I'm against diners. And maybe this is one of the reasons people have turned against them a bit. Um, And again, during the pandemic, when restaurants shut down and you're getting food to, to go, the restaurants that are still serving, diner food to go is not really a a place that comes top of mind. It's like, I'm going to go there and get some of that food to go. It's, I'm going to go in, I'm going to spend some time here, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to eat this. Uh, I'm not going to feel rushed, I'm not going to feel like it's a pretentious atmosphere. And, uh, you know, I guess, at our pre-show, we're talking about made pure with the White Claw. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's probably what people want. They just want pure things. They want some hellhole restaurant. I mean, not a hellhole. It's it's actually... (laughs) To you, it's a hellhole? Yes, that's the wrong way to phrase it, because the aesthetics of a lot of these new cafes that pop up... uh, what was the there was a place in LA that was known for its jams. I think it was called Squirrel. <laughs> and uh it had this ricotta toast that was fifteen dollars. And I know everyone talks about avocado toast and that's become a running joke and I don't want to present it as though it's something we thought of like oh, yeah, eat your avocado. But it is ridiculous. There's a reason it comes up that you're paying so much for avocado on a slice of bread, but mm-hmm. um Yeah, what was this? Squirrel, S-Q-I-R-L. This was a big thing on the internet like oh. a few weeks ago. Okay. People who had no idea what this place was um, were really into this story that this woman who runs the place was making her own jams in the back and keeping them in big, giant plastic tubs, the kind you'll see a guy play in like a subway gotcha. station mm-hmm. upside down. Mm-hmm. And they would grow mold on the top, like oh. an inch of mold, and they would just scrape it off. And then continued to serve the jams. And she claimed it was safe. Whatever. I don't know why I caught the internet's uh, collective attention. But uh, it was one of those places that had a line to get in, hours to get in. Uh So you could have the ricotta toast and jam. And wow, this place is amazing. And I can take my pictures and post them. It's such an air of pretension. Mm -hmm. It's not even a word, is it? Pretension? I always think pretension's a word and it's not. It sounded great. It's... it's, (laughs) it's, Well, why not? If pretentious. Pretension. Okay. It is. It seems like it. The use of. Okay. It's real. There's there's some variation of pretentious that isn't real that I say quite often. But okay. It looks like pretension's a real. So, you know, yeah, I wonder that jam thing sounds bad. But like you said, I wonder if there's some grandmas out there who are like. Oh, yeah. That's the point of jams is that, you know, you store them forever. They keep you take off the top. Preserves. Layer. They're preserves. That's exactly. a different thing, though. I think. I don't know what you're adding in. I don't look. I yeah. Okay. Preserves. Uh. Oh. Yeah. Mm, okay. I don't know enough to speak on it. So there's this backlash, seemingly, of this place that people love, but a bunch of people also want to hate it. Yeah. So what's the deal now? Do they? She. She stood behind it, and I guess I mean there's food inspectors coming in. Seeing this jam. Well, apparently she had a hidden room when the inspectors would come in. She would hide all this stuff. So there was some shady behavior going on. All right. Even though she claims that this is okay, and then she brought in someone who also said it's okay, but then that person who was an expert on mold or whatever actually said this has been misconstrued. Oh god. The point is, I think there are people who are against that these places exist, but for the longest time, and I, I look again, if you're going to a place that just specializes in a few items on the menu and they can do them well, I get. The appeal to that, at Mm -hmm. least. It's like, all right, this is going to be better. It's also going to be priced much higher. Yeah. And I don't usually think the prices are worth what you're getting. And again, we can use the avocado toast as an example. But there's plenty of people willing to pay that price for whatever. The atmosphere becomes part of it. The presentation becomes part of it. Just as big as eating the food. Well, and the signaling of being there, you know, and inviting people to meet you there. You know, it, it, it signals something to others about who you are if it's a if it's a place like that you know and even you saying even you going to a diner i feel like that sends a signal about who it you does are. It, it definitely romanticize the diner in my head because i feel like the diner is a place you can go hang out mm-hmm. a lot of them are open 24 hours and i always had this idea that i liked going in the middle of the night to a diner having coffee smoking a cigarette which you can't do in diners anymore probably maybe some places of the country but most places you probably can't smoke a cigarette in there in there anymore, but at some point you could. And you could get lost in doing whatever you were doing, even if you just wanted to read a book, if you wanted to write something, whatever you're doing. Like it's a place to More go. More coffee, hun. Yeah. What a great atmosphere. 
They're not kicking you out. There's not a line. You're not there to take pictures. Mm -hmm. You're not there to be seen by other people. Um, So, yeah, it does certainly say something about the type of person that I am or would like to be. Yeah, because how many times have you gone to a diner in the middle of the night and written or read a book? Yeah, never. But that's, you know, that's a different topic for a different time. (laughs) What do you think about Waffle House? Procrastination will be that topic. Ooh, that's a great one. Well, because there's still, look, my procrastination is life. So once I get close to dying, all this stuff is going to kick into gear. I'm like, well, it's due tomorrow, meaning the ticket on my soul is being cashed and I'm going (laughs) to. I'm going to die soon. So. Yeah, but then you'll be too old or like something will be wrong. Like you won't have the memory or the. Sure. You can bring that up in this topic. Because- okay. Sorry. Okay. Okay. L- listen, I want to talk about Waffle House because I mean, Waffle House is a diner, but it's like it's only the breakfast stuff from a diner. So yeah, really, it's- yeah, it seems like maybe because you grew up on Waffle House that now when you go to a diner. It's like, I really just want breakfast stuff here. Well, I just like breakfast foods in general, I think. Yeah. It's a nice meal to uh-huh. have. Though we were talking about carbs at the beginning. You're going to get eggs and you're going to be loaded up with potatoes and toasts and bagels. Know, and then you want like, maybe we'll just get one pancake. Yeah. Let's share a waffle. You want to share a waffle? Yeah. See, there's all these items in there. So yeah. That's... Rye toast, waffle, eggs, home fries. You can get a cake at some point or a pie. Oh, yeah. The Oh, my God. The amazing, like all of the baked stuff that's at these diners. Do people go to a diner and like, I'm going to order a cake from you. I'm just going to take a whole cake. I, I guess you could if you ask, but people do go to a diner just to sit at uh, the counter and have a piece of pie. <gasps> yes. And a coffee. Yeah. And you can, oh. you can do that in a specialty bakery shop that's not even a traditional bakery, meaning it's run by people in the same family for a hundred years but a new one that popped up and it's uh-huh. got some kind of minimal aesthetic to it mm-hmm. like the place that sells the crow nuts and then you're not allowed to hang out in there it's like get this get out yeah give us your money you're lucky we even had enough for you today it's like who wants to deal with that that's true they do and the rainbow donut um, rainbow uh bagels it's the same thing right they're like we only make a certain amount yeah and that's probably because you can only make a certain amount if you're making them on site. Right. But it's also get in line and then get out. There's an attitude attached to it. Yeah. There's an attitude that I don't like. There's all these people like, you know, they pretend they're in a Wes Anderson film. Mm. Where a diner really is like you get to know the family if you go there enough. You know who the owners are probably if you go there enough. Maybe. But if you don't, I know it's fine if it remains anonymous. Well, that's fine. No, I understand the atmosphere and like the reason why you're going is still there. But because they are I guess, run by a person. It's not like a franchised thing Um, or even just a overall big old company. You're probably going to see the owner at some point, like running the bar, you know, or, or behind the counter doing something or like his wife is seating you, stuff like that. But again, at these other places that I'm talking about, not liking the places people go to brunch. um, A lot of the times the owners are there because it's their personal project. Like they've started that restaurant. I guess they can grow if their first restaurant's popular enough, then they expand and maybe they're not as involved as they once were. But, you know, I don't want to say that they're not around or they don't take pride. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they fancy themselves celebrities at that point, little local community celebrities. Yeah. The person who runs the, the jam place is her, as well. Her moldy jams. Yeah. It's like, who runs the diner? I don't know. I mean, I do, but just a normal person they have a business they cook some food they don't view themselves every different any differently mm-hmm. than this person who's like yes i run the uh i think there was a plate i don't remember the name of the place in atlanta so i'm not going to make something up okay there's no reason to <laughs> <laughs> well I, I mean even if i could get it right why shit on them i don't know i don't all right what's your story place. about them no there's no story it's just it's just the way these I feel as though all these places just present themselves as though they're in a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. They watched Wes Anderson films. They watched Amelie. Like, that's the world I want to live in. And we're going to go to this neighborhood and take it over. And I'm going to get to build my dream out. And then everyone else gets to live in it, too, and take their photos. Yeah. So, again, them. again, I feel like so many of our topics come down to inauthenticity. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's the bane of my uh, 
existence, I guess. Yeah. It's the one thing that I can't stand more than anything else. So you feel like when people go and spend, you know, $15 on avocado toast, it's not because they love avocado toast. It's because there's a whole like, like I said, signaling and ceremony of being at a brunch, ordering the avocado toast, being the person who orders the avocado toast and is having the avocado toast in the bottomless $5 mimosas. Yeah, and it's not accessible to everyone. Yeah. It's accessible to a very specific type of person. And, you know, the good diner is for the working class. Mm. Not mm-hmm. that I'm working class. I'm not claiming to be working class. Um, you can order the steak and eggs for maybe it'd be like 24 Two dollars. Oh yeah. So you sit in the front booth so everyone can see you eat the steak and eggs and like look at me. I'm the king of the <laughs> Or diner. you could order the you know milk and cereal and milk and it's two dot two ninety nine. No, no, it's overpriced. It's like five bucks for cereal really? and milk inside that little box. Yeah, yeah. The little fruit loops box. Yeah, or which Apple is Applejack's box. Fruit bo- uh, fruit loops. Uh one of the worst cereals for you, by the way. Oh, I know, it's so good. I'm really into. Is dry it really ser- good? Yes. No, it's not. I don't like the taste no, of that medley of fake fruit. Me- the what? The medley of fake fruit. Medley. Yeah. Medley. Yeah. Medley. Yeah, the medley. <laughs> medley. <laughs> the fake fruit. <laughs> um. Uh. I maybe you've only had it in milk. What is it? What you put it in water? No, you just eat it dry. I'm really. In- There's specific cereals that are better dry. Like. Fruit Loops. That, Fruity Pebbles. I don't want the fruit. Yeah, Fruity Pebbles is strange. What is... Fruity Pebbles? (laughs) They look like boogers. (laughs) They do. Especially when they get wet. Yeah. They expand. It's just rice, right? Yeah, but it's... it's, You know, instead of uh, Rice Krispie, where it's a little puffed rice pellet. Which is gross, by the way. I remember being so mad at Rice Krispies when I was a kid because the commercial makes it seem so fun with its like snap, crackle, pop, it's popping, poopily, popply, pop, and you're excited and then you pour the milk on it. It's making the crackly sound. It's so exciting. And then you eat it and it just tastes like nothing. It's stupid. Yeah. And it gets turned to mush. Yeah. It's nothing. Anyway. The, uh, that's our cereal episode. No, I, I mean, it, it ties in. Cereal is not something I would get from a diner. No. I think, it, yeah, that's overpriced. Cereal in general, I don't, it's overpriced seemingly. I don't know what the production costs for cereal are, but why it's so expensive or why it's so expensive. <clears throat> yeah. I just look for the ones on sale. I don't really get cereal anymore. Yeah, I guess I don't either. Yeah. I got some Cinnamon Toast Crunch and it just sits in my mm-hmm. cupboard. Cupboard. <laughs> just sits in there. In your cupboard. Yeah. Where you keep your cups. On a board, cupboard. So, I mean, cereal in general, I guess, is not something that I'm drawn to. But yeah, going back to that, there's a certain accessibility. Everyone's welcome in mm-hmm. a diner. Come on in. You just sit here. We're not going to judge you. Get your food. Pay us some money. Hang on as long as you like. We are what we are. So, yeah, it's the authenticity thing. Mm-hmm. We are what we are. We don't need to be anything that we aren't. And who am I to argue experience? People want to pay for an experience of going and sitting in a place and they like the way the food's presented, even though it's completely ridiculous to me because you look at it. I guess that's why people take pictures. Look at this! Because you dig into it almost immediately and you destroy whatever aesthetic is on the plate. Yeah. It doesn't... I would go to a fancier breakfast place. I'm not opposed to that, but I don't know. I wouldn't be using it to signal anything. Like I'm not taking pictures of my food. I wouldn't be going there so that I could say I went there. You know, I would only go there. Like maybe I would want to go to that ricotta jam thing because it sounds delicious, but then I wouldn't be going there because I want to say that I went there and that I would want to say that like I tried that toast thing because it sounded really good. Not because like. Who would you want to say it to? To whom would you want to tell? I guess to myself. You would like to say I went there. Okay. No, no, no. I so guess that's, I that's don't know. No, no, no. It's not about saying that I went there. I guess what I'm, I'm saying that I would want to go there and try that. Like, oh, that sounds good. I want to try that. 
I want to go there for that reason, not because it's a place and people talk about it and people post about it. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't want, look, if you wanted to go try a place like that because you feel that you'll get something out of it, don't let me bulldoze you into a different position. I think this also ties into my feelings towards food in the first place. I don't, uh, eating for a lot of people is an experience. And this, I know I'm in the minority on this because even like big family dinners, like it's more than just the dinner. Mm-hmm. It's the experience of the whole thing. There's bonding that comes along with it and the shared experience. And I I don't care about food that much. It's something I have to do to stay alive, yeah. which I tend to resent. So going out and turning paying a lot of money for some food, which is just going to go into my body and then come out of my body. It's not worth it to me. It's not something that I'm interested in doing. Uh, I can hang out with people elsewhere. And I think that where it does leak in is to the diner in my mind. If I'm ever going to get an experience that is tied to food, it is in the diner. Like I talked about sitting there in the middle of the night alone, but in my mind, if you're going to have, it's a great atmosphere to sit there and talk to someone for hours <clears throat> as you continually down cups of coffee. What was your experience at Odessa? Wasn't it something like that? I, I Odessa I've been going to since I moved to New York. Uh-huh. So at the end of 2007 and, you know, I dated people, uh, who lived close, we would go there for breakfast on the weekends or you know, I hung out with friends there and got this big carafe of wine that just they just pour right out of a jug <laughs> into the carafe. And you get, it's like, yeah, it's 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. They used to have a bar next door called the Dessa Bar, which was a shithole, divey place. That shut down. Also very appealing. Yeah, and then if you got you know drinks with your meal, they would bring them over from, oh, okay. from there. Even then when that shut down, they still continued. I, know, I didn't know that diners typically served alcohol i guess it depends if you have the license yeah a lot of them do tend to trend towards Mm -hmm. uh serving some kind of booze you can sit there and have a budweiser oh a budweiser a cord's light Mm. miller high life i don't know if they go to the high life i feel like it's the most (laughs) miller light certainly yeah sure i don't know if they would go to the high life yeah uh possibly but sapporo for some reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. They do tend to have. That's their import in the Heineken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess in my mind, that's the setting that I like for some kind of social interaction. And I don't get much out of the other stuff. So, for me to dismiss it, if people enjoy going out, having boozy brunches, bottomless mimosas. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they do bottomless mimosas anymore. That was a big thing for a while. <sighs> yeah. Pay us 30 bucks and drink as much as you can. Then they started limiting it. Pay us 30 bucks, drink as much as you can in two hours. But there's a time <laughs> and then you get kicked out. Yeah. Um. I, uh, I, I don't really, I don't like the idea of, of having to, of there being a long wait to get into a breakfast place. And when you talk about those fancier, not even fancier places, I remember um, when I lived in Midtown and Midtown Atlanta, and uh, there's the Flying Biscuit that everybody, it was just like name recognition, I feel like. So there would be this line out the door, an hour and something wait for Flying Biscuit, which is not that spectacular of food or anything. And then, I mean, across the street, there was this place that was amazing and was way sort of, quote, fancier than Flying Biscuit. Um, you'd get more food from this other place. And there was nobody there. And it was delicious. Yeah, you're talking about, I think, Gatto. No, Campagnolo. Oh, what is that? No, the place that I'm talking about, the cross street from the Flying Biscuit in Candler Park. Oh, much Candler better. Park. I'm talking about in Midtown. Oh, you're talking about Midtown. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing applies in Canada. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. That place got to. We went to that place together. I enjoyed that. I've always liked that place better. Mm-hmm. That flying biscuit across there the street. There wasn't wait there that day, though. Yeah, that flying biscuit. Yeah, that's seemingly come into play mm. in these years since I moved away from Atlanta. I guess, you know, those areas just got more popular. The flying biscuit was always popular, but, you know, I think a lot of people spill over. Like, oh, wait this long? Okay, what's this place? Mm-hmm. And they'll go over there, and then that gets a wait. Um, that flying biscuit, even when they expanded into a chain, mm-hmm. like they operated independently, I think. Yeah, it was like the the 
whatever girls owned part of it or something. Yeah, they probably just sold the Indigo Girls. Did that? I can't. I was, <laughs> I was thinking Gilmore Girls in my head, and I was afraid I wasn't going to get there, so I just called them girls. Yeah, I don't know owners of restaurants quite often, which I know is another thing that people like. And that's, you know, again, I said it already. People want to be known in the community and get some kind of level of notoriety, <laughs> which. I don't trust big name chefs as part of owners of, of a restaurant. I don't trust it. I don't believe it. I think it's just like when, you know, a celebrity it, uh, uh, has like a clothing line or a perfume line like they, how much really what input did they really have you know they put a little bit of something like uh, some tiny little bit of opinion and something and maybe of the design or whatever and then that's it yeah, I'm sorry, they, i just mean about like perfume or something and like they probably that. approve things i mean yeah. once you get to a certain level then yeah you're not involved you can't be involved you've got too much going no on. like a, first of all i hate bobby flay but if bobby flay was like it was you know bobby flay's restaurant like well, whatever i'm sure it's just there's really a head chef at that place and it's not bobby flay bobby flay's not in the back you know in the weeds calling out orders i need two well steaks all day like no he's not doing that no i don't even know who knows what he does these days Ugh. he sits back and collects giant paychecks which oh and he has sex with like giada or whatever her name is <laughs> isn't he <laughs> i don't even know who that is okay I can't talk about these things with you. I'm sorry that I let you down. It's Who's okay. Giada? She's the uh, woman who does uh, the Italian cooking on the Food Channel who has like big smile and she's got like a lollipop body and a lollipop head. I don't know. She's super duper skinny and she, you know, she talks about things and then she's like, okay, today we're going to get together and we're going to make a frittata, you know, and she overpronounces all the, you know, ricotta cheese, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, okay, good for him. Good no, for he's her. disgusting. Good I for hate her, Bobby Flay. I, uh, I'm going to have a show and I'm going to um, challenge all these local food people. And, you know, they're known in this community for their macaroni and cheese. Well, I'm going to come in and I'm going to challenge them. And I'm going to make a better macaroni and cheese. Fuck you. Well, it's also a TV show. So there's got to be conflict. No, there doesn't. Yeah. She's got to challenge someone and that's a set up. No, then, he does. Oh, he does. Okay. He's an asshole. Um. Yeah, I don't follow any of the chefs because I don't care. Well, you follow Gordon Ramsay quite a bit. No, I don't follow Gordon Ramsay. You love Gordon Ramsay. I put the Gordon Ramsay channel on Pluto TV (laughs) because it's good background when I'm doing other things. No, I heard him. Listen, the stuff he says has snuck into your thoughts because you said that when you have that many things on a menu, you can't do one of the things well. And that's something that. Gordon Ramsay has said in all of his like, um, uh, what's his other show that's not Kitchen Nightmares, but like the restaurant ones where he goes in and he like sits down and everything's horrible. That's Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, it is. What's the other one? Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. Okay. Competition. Kitchen Nightmare. Every Kitchen Nightmares thing he goes in, he's like, look at the menu. It's so big. How can you make a lasagna and a and a you know a bowl of cereal? (laughs) That's true. I understand that. That's a that's a real thing. But, um. I am saying that I'm okay with the food being just what the food is. Yeah. I don't need something that's presented in any special way. Um, I guess it can be seasoned or the ingredient quality makes a difference. And Mm -hmm. that's all stuff that's real. Um, But no, it's not because Ramsey said it. That's not why he's not influencing my life that much. I think he has influenced your life a little more than you think. Well, I guess I if, agree with you. I'm I guess if saying. you leave someone on uh, the TV for mm-hmm. for uh, you know eight hours a day, yeah, maybe that their thoughts seep into your brain. You're eating something. And you're like, this is terrible. It's raw. It's ridiculous to keep the TV on, though. I work from home, so the computer's in front of you, and then sometimes the phone is in front of your face with the computer behind the phone, and then the TV's <laughs> on behind the computer. There's absolutely no reason for it, but I don't know you sit in there and you want some background noise. Hmm. Um, you know there was a a lot of diners obviously have the big menus but there was a place in New York called Shopson's that had 400 items on the menu and Kenny Shopson was the owner and people got to know who he was in the community but he was just being himself like he just ran a place that he he liked he was also kind of a I don't want to call him a jerk he certainly had his own thoughts on life and uh, <coughs> philosophies and he set rules in the restaurant and 
there's a documentary called I Like Killing Flies, which I really enjoyed. So, you know, the fact that he came to some type of prom- prominence in the community first, naturally, by being who he is and just doing a, sure, he did something that set him apart. It was kind of just a typical diner type menu. And then he just had like maybe 60 types of pancakes that he just <laughs> Uh-huh. screwed like a macaroni and cheese pancake which <laughs> people think is gross maybe it was i don't i don't know uh-huh. um but yeah like some of the rules were all the customers it was a small space everyone who came in had to eat so you couldn't be that person who came in it's like i'm just hanging out there were no parties of five or more wow allowed so four was the most okay. and if you tried to split your party he would kick you out uh anyone who just irritated him he would kick out so okay. there were rules and I like to think I never really had an opportunity to go. He had a place in the West Village and in the documentary he's losing the rent or losing the lease because the rent's gone up too much and he gets another place in the West Village, but that doesn't last that long. And mm-hmm. then he moved to the Essex Street Market and he recently died, but Aww. his sons are still running the place. And uh, I never went because I felt as though I would be going at that point. This is the authenticity thing again, because I saw the documentary. Right. And I didn't want he seemingly himself, it went to his head a bit after the documentary. And then he released a cookbook that was out in the book. It's like, okay, oh. he didn't do any of this stuff before. It's like, if the onion looks at you wrong, you throw it away. Well, it was, a, it was a cookbook slash his thoughts on life. Okay. Which, fine. I can't say. He's I just trying to make some money yeah, off of I, a moment. I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing in that position. And uh, if you really still got to write the book that you wanted to write, and it wasn't too heavily influenced. But I never went. It's still open. He's not there anymore, obviously. Yeah, because he's dead. Yeah, but that's, you know, one of those things that I can get behind. The idea that he did this thing in his neighborhood and it caught on. And maybe it became inclusive in the sense that people who came in to see the novelty of it or because they saw this documentary or read some write-up, maybe didn't take to them too much. Right. Mm -hmm. They broke the rules, maybe kicked them out. So, uh, so, yeah, it, it would be hard. I can see where it would be hard for you to go. Because then you would feel this sort of pressure to make sure that he knew maybe that you weren't there just because you saw the documentary, but because the aesthetic pleased you. Yeah, there was no way to. Yeah, do you, that. Could, <laughs> you can't do it. And also being overwhelmed by that menu. Yeah, like I should look up. Things. I should look up the menu now. Uh, Again, how do you store that stuff? <laughs> That's a. Good question. I feel like in New York, especially when he was in the market, you could go get things pretty quickly if you needed them. Sure. You're not buying in bulk or saving money. Uh, Shopsins. I just want to see how many items are actually on the menu these days. If there's... Mm, I don't know. For brunch, a 900-item menu at Shopsins General (laughs) Store. So when I say four, this is apparently 900. How does that work? How is that even possible? With more than 900 menu items. More than 900. And a bunch that aren't even listed. The menu does list. That's there was. I've become overwhelmed. I looked at the menu once. Uh-huh. Like I don't even know how to make any sense of any of this. And the fact that he knew how to cook everything. Yeah. You call something off on the menu and he would know how to cook it. Okay. And also. What does that mean? Like you can only do something. In so many ways, you can only put so, I mean, would it be like eggs with cheese? One, eggs with bacon, two, eggs with ham, three. Or is it just like eggs with bacon and ham, one? Eggs with a cheese, pick your cheese. I'll look up the menu here okay. in a second. Here's some of the other rules. No changes can be made to any of the items Whoa, on the menu. Okay, that's a problem for me. I like to change things. <laughs> well, maybe with 900 items, you could find the exact that's thing you want. That's true, wanted, but yeah. The exact perfect combination. Do not ask the waiter for recommendations about the menu. <laughs> that is, well, there, I, I understand that because there are some people are like, what is it? What do you like to get here? You're like, Ugh, I don't know. Just order something. Lemon ricotta pancakes, the mac and cheese pancakes, slutty pancakes. I don't know what's in those postmodern pancakes. I don't know what's in those. They're squares. I mean, it's a reference, yeah, to the art style but uh there was a time when shopsons offered 300 different soups alone <laughs> and only even though only about 100 were remaining on the menu at the time this was written 300 soups how do you I don't he, he would still them. make you anyone if you knew the other ones weren't really? on the menu but you asked for it he would make you one uh how is that possible 
the menu had options like cream of any vegetable soup. <laughs> any vegetable you can think of. You can cream it. You got a vegetable? I'll cream it. So, I mean, as it ties into this, that was, you're right. It's all about authenticity. And if I feel as though there's any flair of uh, showmanship, mm-hmm. I know I, 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 it turns me off. Yeah. Eh, oh well, maybe I'm a grump. <laughs> maybe I'm. I look. I know I'm in the minority in this. I don't know why it would get me worked up and I would get angry at people for wanting to go waste their money on these places that I don't feel you're getting any experience out of that means anything well we've talked about the reason why not just you but one gets angry at someone else's behavior that has zero effect on you it's because it's they're doing something that you don't like in yourself right isn't that what isn't that what we decided (laughs) isn't that what we've talked about before well i mean ultimately what if you don't like a person who goes out and wastes their time and money on something that doesn't hold any real value you value in your personality and in your behavior authenticity and then when you see someone acting in a way that is not that you don't like that because you don't like that in yourself you don't want to exist where in any you don't want to be in situations where you have to be inauthentic sure and in, and and being authentic can be sort of um misguided into that thing where it's like, I just tell the truth and I just tell, you know, I tell you that you're a piece of shit. And if you don't like it, then you can go talk to somebody else because I'm not going to like, that's not what you're talking about. You can be authentic and still be kind. But yeah, there's a there's there's something there's there's a way of inauthenticity in people that you see and that makes you that you don't like that because you don't like that in yourself. You don't want to be in those situations. I think what bothers me most is the balance is tipped. And oh, and then, yeah, places that are inauthentic are squishing out the more places that more of the places that are authentic. Who's to gauge what's authentic and what's not? <laughs> I, you know, I, I have my definitions of it and I stand by them. I agree with what I think about what makes a place authentic and what makes a place mm-hmm. existing solely to satisfy some need to fit in Mm. and other people go there because they need to present something to the world about who they are, Um, which we've already established the places that I enjoy present something about who I am, except I'm not documenting, documenting it and posting it everywhere. So I'm I'm proving something to myself and that's okay if you want to prove something to yourself. And then when you push it on, but you know, I call these places pretentious. Maybe I'm pretentious for thinking this. It's all, It's all about your point of view, and I probably am in a way. But yes, the fact that these places have taken over and my thoughts on the kind of people who frequent these kind of places on a regular basis, uh, representing the majority of the population, because again, these are the places that are popular and the other places that I like are not popular and they're being forced to shut down. It's like, all right, well, that's that's where uh, it doesn't sit well with me. It's like, okay, well, most of humanity's... uh, not the way I would like it to be. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're wrong, even though they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just not the way I would like because I want the real meaningful connections and things. And I'm not opposed to experiences, I guess. They're just different experiences that I want. People don't want. I don't want a shallow experience. People do want a shallow experience. That's what they want. Yeah. And that's what they don't know that that's what they're getting. Well, they present it as though it's not a shallow experience. You're getting a real bonding experience here. And so they think that they're getting something deeper than it really is. So I think that you could go to one of these pretentious places that you would deem pretentious and you could still have an interaction there or an experience there that would, you know, be a meaningful, deeper experience. No, but. Yeah, you could. You could go with someone who is yeah, like-minded. Yeah, and but there's still a line that. out the door and you can't stay there and you feel the pressure to leave yeah, because other people and then they, they are cold to you in there because they want to get you <laughs> out of there because they want to turn over the table to get more people in and I get it. They need to make money too. Fine. Mm-hmm. I understand on that. But having the experience is uh, handicapped. No, that's a good point. 
You can't, uh, it's harder to get. And also the egg dishes that cost way. An egg is an egg. It can be presented a few different ways. Eggs cost what eggs cost. Hmm. Don't try to tell me that this egg was a free range chicken. So it costs a lot. Free range chicken eggs aren't that expensive. They're really not. They're a little more expensive. They're a little more. But they're not outrageously more expensive. So you can spin it any way you want. Now it's like, it was a chicken from the roost on my roof. I was like, okay, great. If anything, it's costing you less. Maybe there are less (laughs) eggs. So your supply Ah, is less. Okay. But come on, $20 for this. Well, and I mean, I think the reason why people shit on those places with the avocado toast is because avocados, you know, cost what they cost and toast. And then you're calling it this fancy thing because you've like sliced up some cherry tomatoes and put some like. And you sprinkled some kind of seasoning on it. Sea salt and pepper. Like, no. You're charging way too much for the. And I've I've talked about that, too, with like um, Irish pub restaurant things where they're charging you $20 or more for like bangers and mash or whatever other <laughs> like sort of Irishy dish. That is made because it was a poor person's dish. It was poor people's, you know, ways to make meals. And then they're like, but now we're at a restaurant. It's fancy. No, it should not be this much. Avocado toast should not be that much money. If it was a pretentious place, but still charged you what you maybe like $6.99 for some avocado toast. Maybe then you could appreciate it a little bit more because it is a little bit more authentic. No, but you got the people who come in who are willing to pay the prices, and that's why it's not accessible to a lot of people. It's only yeah. a certain type of person. Right. I mean, I guess it's accessible to everyone. They're not going to keep anyone out. No, but you can But can't, some people don't yeah. have the ability to go pay the, those outrageous prices. Mm-mm. And if they do, they'd probably severely be disappointed. Yeah, for what they got? Yes. Yeah. And they think, what is this? These people are ridiculous. They're morons. So, you know, my old opening statement, we can come back around about the culture in America dying. Maybe it's not dying. Maybe it's just shifting. Maybe the new culture in America is the most shallow fucking culture you could ever come across. It's already always been kind of like that with its consumerism and possessions being, mm. you know, the the gauge of your value. Uh, but maybe, you know, it's evolving into this and it'd be better off dead. Well, That's what I'd say. It's maybe not dying. It'd be better off dead. You know, it's it is it, it does make sense that maybe a more shallow existence is becoming the norm, because if you think about even items that you have. You know, you have a vacuum cleaner and it starts to break. You don't go to take it to get repaired. It's just the time and the well, you know, it's just because they're cheaper now. And you can go replace exactly. It. So it's just like things are just replaceable, quick, dirty, no problem. And then things aren't really made to last either. No, that's what H&M built its whole empire on. Right. Garbage. Throwaway clothing. Well, and Old Navy and Target and all of them. And that's it's not just H&M. Yeah, that's, a, that's sure. That exists. That's a thing. Um, and then even, I mean, just with technology, you get information quick, quick, quick. I think, though, There's no slow a times. lot of these people who go live this ridiculous, ridiculous lifestyle that I'm talking about, think that they're not being, they think they're moving away from the materialism Mm -hmm. and they're not as shallow as the people who would be so ridiculous to have to just buy things to prove something, but they're doing the exact same thing in a different way. Right. And they, but attached to it, this is what's been sold. Attached to it is this false idea of a deeper meaning. When before it's like, yeah, be shallow. That's what it's all about. Get some things. Now, people rebelled against that, but they were just caught in the same trap. Yeah. It was just repurposed a bit. Yes. And they're too dumb to realize <laughs> that they're in the net. So, better off dead, I'd say, than evolving. But, you know, there's still enough diners that I, at some point, I made it my mission to go visit as many as I could. But then I didn't do that either because I don't do many things. I don't follow <laughs> up. And then I'll regret it and kick myself when they're all gone. Yeah. But so uh, that's the way it goes. And, uh, you know, I can continue to rail against society and that'll make me feel better. Okay. How do you feel? I'm whatever. Fine. (laughs) Fine. It's all fine. Fine. It's fine. Diners are fine. Diners aren't fine. Whatever. All right. Thanks for listening to One Topic. Please like and subscribe. Rate and review. Check out our sponsor, HoffandPepper.com. You can use our code OneTopic15 to get 15% off a... A bit of hot sauce. Uh, there was something else I wanted you to tell people about. Oh, I wanted to quick maybe talk about the Highland Inn. 
<laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, you sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, stay tuned. You just want to attack that on the end of the show? Well, because people sometimes don't listen probably to the end, and I'd like to maybe get people to listen. Well, then they won't hear this, so we'll talk about it at the beginning of next show. Oh, okay. All right. Well, stay tuned. I guess it ties into this because the Highland Inn's going away. Yes, exactly. But it's okay. Next time. All right. That's a tease. That's what we call in the biz a tease next week. Bye. Greg. Hey, Autumn. Do you like hot sauce? You know, I do like hot sauce, but I'm getting pretty bored of my regular Texas Peter Tabasco. I'm looking for a local sauce without Mm. any additives or extracts, a company that uses local peppers so it's as fresh as possible, and a company that really cares about the integrity of the sauce and where their ingredients come from. Definitely. And hey, while we're at it, I don't want a sauce with too many ingredients. Mm -mm. You know, a lot of other sauces out there, they have all kinds of fillers. So I'd love to find a sauce with, I don't know, what, let's say no more than five ingredients. I mean, it's crazy, but there's gotta be a company out there that hand processes their sauce. You know, bottling and labeling every bottle themselves. I'm probably asking a lot. Well, you really are, but there is a hot sauce out there who only uses five ingredients. What? zero fillers, additives, or extracts, and who bottles, labels, and packages everything themselves. It's called Hoff Sauce. What? They're a small batch hot sauce company out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, that's won best Louisiana style sauce in the country. How many times? Not once, not twice, three times. Three times! How does that sound, Greg? I think that sounds amazing. You know how you can get your own bottle of no, hot sauce? No, no. Tell me, please, now. Hoffandpepper.com. And not only am I giving you the gift of the best hot sauce that you'll ever taste, I'm going to give you 15% off if you use the code one topic 15 Hold on. That's... Yes. Get a pen and paper. One topic 15 Good. That's O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-1-5. All squished together at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order and your life will be better. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>